Welcome to the Habits and Hustle Podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. All right, guys, uh, welcome to Habits and Hustle, and we have a great entrepreneur guest for you today. His name is Taro. I cannot pronounce his last name. How do you pronounce your last name? Isokaupila. Yeah, that was never going to happen. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, no, never going to happen. <laughs> he is the founder of Four Sigmatic, and for those of you who don't know what Four Sigmatic is, it is a... Basically, it's like a mushroom company, so mm. to speak, right? We'll get more into detail, but yeah. how would you define it? It's a lifestyle. Is it a wellness company okay. that focuses on elevating daily staples like coffee, protein, skincare with the world's most nutrient-dense foods. And a big part of those nutrient-dense foods are mushrooms, and people remember that mushroom part, so think of it as a mushroom company, but... I would say a wellness company or a superfood company. Well, you say it much better than I would ever. So I'm glad well, that you hopefully. did. Yeah, I would hope so, right? But I, you're right. I just say mushroom company because I, I've known about you guys for a few years already. And mm-hmm. you guys have really good products. And everybody who's very much into health, wellness, um, a lot of biohackers, mm-hmm. I feel are really huge fans yeah. of what you guys have. Because there's so many benefits to the ingredients that you use. So I don't know where to even start with you because I feel like you are, oh my God, you're going faster than me. This is the well, first I'm time this has ever up. happened. Well, yeah, I'm warming up. I'm, What's your speed? I'm 2.5. We can also incline it. No, no, this is amazing. Yeah. You don't understand, not to like derail you from the actual <laughs> interview, but this is the first time anybody has ever done that. They've I always, thought we were running. Oh, no, this is great. I, well, most people start at one. Yeah. I'm at two and I thought I was going a little bit fast. You're just like Speedy Gonzalez over here. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Well, you got to pace yourself because we're going to be going on this for a long time. That's fine. Are, are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I had to walk to school a lot okay. growing up. Oh, right. Where, okay. So where were you born? I was born in Finland. Okay. Um, about two hours north of the capital, Helsinki, in a town in the countryside of Nokia which nobody knows, but right. obviously it's world famous for the phones, but everybody thought those the- phones are like Japanese, but no, it's a small town, about 20,000 people in Finland and just on the outskirts of it in the countryside. So. And so when did you move to the US? Um, five years, a little, five, six years ago. Oh. And so pretty recently, but this is my 10th country I'm living in. Um, so in between Finland and LA, there's been a couple stops. So. Is it just more for your own, like, just curiosity and, like, life experience that you're moving from country to country? or Yeah, originally, yeah. Finland is an amazing country. Love Finland. Uh, two years running, the happiest country in the world. Uh, best education system. A lot of things were good. But right? right. when you grew up in a, you know, a country, massive country that is, like, population half of L.A., you know, you're like, wow. well, there must be another world out there. And... And for me, it was just cool to see the world. Now it's more for a purpose of helping others, but originally it was just to learn and explore and all that stuff. So, first of all, I read that, were you like a farmer or yeah, you were farming am, in Finland? I'm, so I'm a 13 generation family farmer. And last year we officially finished the transition from my father to me and my brother. But yeah, 13 generations at least since 1619. So why, like, why forcing, like, how did you start even with the mushroom thing? Like, how did it kind of evolve? Start from the beginning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Beginning, I yeah. was yay I was high. four years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
my mom taught physiology and anatomy. Okay. And she took me and my brother out foraging for food, berries and mushrooms. And, and that was where it started. And because she knew science and how it impacts nutrition, she would teach us about fibers and yada, yada, yada. And my dad was an agronomist and teaches about the soil, the forest, the ecosystem. So dad was mother nature and mom was science and, you know, health. And then my great grandfather helped to found an environmental school. So we went to um, like an elementary school where we learned how to forage. And that was part of it. And then I studied chemistry and nutrition. And about 15 years ago, won an innovation award for discovering a rare mushroom. You won an innovation award. Yeah. So, so there was like... How, how old were you back then, 15 years ago? <laughs> I was, you look like you're like 11 right now. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, first thing I, when I walked in, she was like, oh, Macaulay Culkin. Like Macaulay no. home alone. You do. You look like Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And by the way, you told me that's not the first time you've ever no, heard that. No, I've so, heard a lot about that growing up. No, you do. And also, I think maybe it's in Finland that they are the happiest place, they say, the happiest mm. place to live. Like, you don't have a, a wrinkle on your face. It's pure. Like, there's not, it's, it's crease-free. It's the yeah. mushrooms and the happy living, I guess, of yeah. how you grew up. I guess it's a combination of a lot of stuff. The combination. So 15 years ago, how old were you about? Um, 20. Okay, and you and you won this innovation. What was the what was the what was the product? It was a mushroom. It was a mushroom, a subsection of a more popular, very expensive mushroom that was only thought to that sub variety was only thought to grow in Hokkaido and the northern Japan in an island. But then, oh wow! Anyway, it's a whole sub mushroom sub story of geeking out, but. It's basically, there's a mushroom that is like almost like a truffle for the Japanese in fancy restaurants that, you know, had limited supply and it happened to grow in our backyard. And But how did they grow in your backyard? There's a similar forest type. Um, um, so where I grew up has the world's largest gravel hill because of ice age push. I mean, we're going to go full geek on something. That's but, fine. That, that, we, I want you to. There was a lot of ice in Finland and Sweden and Norway, as you might one might right. imagine. And doing the ice age pushed a lot of gravel. It created a mountain range that is like a couple hundred miles long. And we're at the end of the mountain range and there's a specific type of pine tree. And these mushrooms all require something to grow on. They have to eat something. So Mushrooms are more similar to animals than they are to plants. So we share about half of our DNA with mushrooms. And um, really? one of the similarities is that mushrooms will breathe oxygen and expel CO2, plants are the reverse. And also that mushrooms need to eat something. Like plants can use photosynthesis to create energy. Mm -hmm. So in this case, a lot of the best mushrooms, including this mushroom, needs to eat trees and tree roots. So it requires a certain kind of tree so most of the best mushrooms grow out of trees. And there was a specific type of forest with specific type of soil that was similar. So it was able to grow. So that's kind of wow. how we got there. Specific trees, specific soil. So does that mushroom that you won the innovation award for still exist in Yeah, it was, um, the government offered me and my friend who won the award money to start a business around it. And it would have been serving the 1%, so our subsection oh. of 1% serving Michelin-style restaurants with this fancy mushroom. Didn't feel compelled with it, so we donated the business um, to a university. University Helsinki is still running that. And oh, wow. They, yeah, it's still out there. 
So that, so that, I thought that was going to be kind of like the impetus for you to actually create Four Sigmatic. No, my passion, my passion was always on more of the, the everyday person and like how to get health, how to be inclusive in health versus exclusive in health and more on physiology and improving optimal human performance versus serving a culinary experience once in a lifetime. So yeah, my, I was more interested in the health benefits of mushrooms versus the culinary side. You know, it's funny because I, I was saying to you before, I love mushrooms. Like I love, I love including mushrooms and in everything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know until recently that they are very, they are so healthy. Mm -hmm. I think people just expect, I think a lot of people think it's a takeaway, like a, like a throwaway. Mm -hmm. Like a vegetable. vegetable. Yeah. yeah. Pizza. Pizza pasta. Exactly. Pizza, pasta. That's exactly it. Can we talk about the health benefits sure. of mushrooms? Okay. So mushrooms or fungi are a kingdom. And when something is a kingdom, there's a huge variety. Same way as not all animals are meant to be your pet. Right. Right. Or people talk about plant-based diet being really good for you. Yeah. But if you go in the forest, you'll find a lot of plants that will kill you. So the same is with mushrooms. So there is, and because of this DNA similarity, we're more prone to fungal diseases, but we can also use fungal healing powers for our benefits. So key point is that mushrooms are not good or bad. Plants are not good or bad. Animals are not good and bad. When something is a kingdom, there's a whole like range. range. Okay, so generally speaking, mushrooms that you would use for health can be split to two different groups. Culinary mushrooms, that's your butter mushroom, portobello mushroom. They grow on the ground or they're cultivated. They're kind of squishy, you know, that would be the grind. Like a shiitake mushroom would be part- A shiitake would be a crossover, but yes. Um, butter mushroom, portobello mushroom. And then there would be these functional mushrooms that tend to grow on trees and they have more powerful health benefits. But the culinary mushrooms are great for fibers, mm -hmm. certain micronutrients, minerals, uh, B vitamins, vitamin D, so those would be some of the things you could use mushrooms for. So that's why probably people think of them as a vegetable because they kind of are like, there's no cholesterol, but there's high fiber, high nutrient density, low calories. Mm -hmm. But the functional mushrooms more impact your, they might also have B vitamins and vitamin D and minerals, but they also impact your immune function. They impact your brain. They impact your stress levels. So they will have compounds that impact your endocrine system, your immune system, and just your nervous system. Mm -hmm. So it impacts, it's more like software for your iPhone. So, wow. you know, if like apps and other things you have in an iPhone that make the iPhone work, those are more like the functional mushrooms impact the software piece more. What would be considered a functional mushroom? So shiitake would be the best known, um, but reishi mushroom is the most studied, R-E-I-S-H-I. The queen of all mushrooms, that's great for stress reduction. Chaga, the king of all right. mushrooms, C-H-A-G-A. -A. Um, a lot of these mushroom names are odd because they're usually Japanese names actually. Mm -hmm. So shiitake, maitake, take means mushroom in Japanese. So a lot of the more common names are kind of like a little exotic. Um, lion's mane would be an exception, so yeah. And that's a kind of mushroom? Yeah, lion's it's a mane? mushroom, yeah. And are they are they readily available? Like if I went to Ralph's or Whole Foods or wherever, would I be able to? Find, I never see those mushrooms. Some shiitake are some I would find, but so shiitake, enoki, and oyster mushroom you would probably oh, find. Yeah, those I would. Those would be and maybe maitake. So those four you would find more commonly. Uh, the others you'd go to farmers market. But if you go to farmers market, you'll find lion's mane. 
And it's getting more and more popular. So I think in like a few years, we'll find it in more grocery stores as well. So an oyster mushroom is also a functional. Very, yeah, so, super good for you. Okay, so besides that, okay, so the, so the crossovers that vitamin B and all that and other mm -hmm. stuff, what, what other stuff can it do for your health? You said it's good for your brain? Yeah, so um, generally speaking, all of these top mushrooms are good for your gut health because they get absorbed in the gut and they're good for your immune support. So pretty much all of the top mushrooms do that. And wherever you'll find bacteria, you'll find mushrooms, where you'll find mushrooms, you'll find bacteria. So skin has the bacteria that actually, not just the bad bacteria, but also the good bacteria, mm -hmm. same as your gut. And so your gut is full of mushrooms. And if you have the wrong kinds of mushrooms in your gut, your gut health is not great. And if, um, if you have good mushrooms, then you're great. There's actually even a funny study uh, out of San Francisco of mice um, that had the same daily routine and they were fed a high fat, low carb diet. And the only difference, the other group also got reishi mushroom and the weight loss that the mushrooms that got the reishi mushroom was much higher. And according to researchers, it was because of the improved gut biome. So gut health and immunity happens in all mushrooms. And then specific mushrooms have specific skills like stress reduction, nervous system, you know, they, skin is another one that mushrooms can really be helpful. A lot of skincare brands have mushrooms and, and especially in Asia, Japan, and Korea, mushrooms are used widely in, widely in topical skincare products. Wow, mm -hmm. so this is like this is like an adaptogen really, right? Yeah, like mushrooms correct. are. Um, and how, so how, what's the quantity though? Like do you have to have a lot of mushrooms mm -hmm. to have any kind of effect? Um, yes and no. Um, these top mushrooms are incredibly nutrient dense and what you need is basically like a pretty small amount of these specific type of polysaccharides to have the effect. But the thing is you can't consume them raw. So mushrooms you should never consume raw. If you go to a salad bar they have raw mushrooms, don't have them. Mushrooms have a cell structure that we can really absorb. There's a structure called chitin. Chitin you can find on the lobster shell. So the same way as you can't really eat the shell of a lobster, you shouldn't eat raw mushrooms. So that's why chefs and health experts have always applied heat and lipids to mushrooms. So a uh, chef would saute shiitake mushrooms in a pan with heat and fat, like butter or oil or something like that, right? Right, right. And, or make a soup or broth, and that unlocks the powers of the mushrooms. And when you do that, it gets concentrated. So um, it usually, Good mushroom products are like 10 times more concentrated versions of the dried mushrooms. And dried mushrooms are already concentrated form of the fresh mushrooms. So you have fresh mushrooms, right. you take the water out, you get a condensed version of dried mushrooms, dried mushrooms, you extract them, you get a condensed. So when you use a mushroom extract or a mushroom powder, that already is quite condensed version of the fresh mushroom. So, okay, so then when I have, when, when people are serving salads with these raw mushrooms, I should definitely take it up. Yeah, I shouldn't be eating it. Don't have them. So at bare minimum, yeah, soups or saute them in something. So then, so what, what? And uh, sorry to say, he does not hurt their health benefits. So if you ever want something like fatty and deep fried, yeah. rather have deep fried enoki or deep fried maitake than deep fried vegetables. 
So you're basically like a mushroom expert. You seem to know a lot about every single mushroom out there. Now, I know you got the Innovation Award, but did you farm mushrooms? Is that basically what the crux of the farming was for you back home? Or No, it was more foraging. So a big part of it, foraging is an act of going to the forest and picking up wild mushrooms. So that was it. The, the farming part was mostly in my lifetime, oats, so like oat milk yeah. is a big thing, Swedish company, oat leaves a big right. pioneer. So we use a lot of oatmeal, oat milk. So ever since I was a kid, there's pretty much been oat milk as an oat. Is that what you grew up on is oat milk? Um, yeah, mostly my, my, both, neither of my parents really believe in, in dairy. In dairy, right. Yeah. I mean, they would have it in cheese and butter, but less so. Yeah. It's funny because just, it, I feel like oat milk just has had its like, it's, it's, it's having its day right now, mm -hmm. right? Like, are we just really behind on the whole oat milk? Well, a little bit, and, yeah. and it's not perfect either, how it's processed and brought right. to us. So, And you, depending on your genome, you could handle dairy. Like, actually, from a genetic point of view, I can do dairy pretty well, but I would just not have pasteurized and homogenized milk. But if you could have raw milk from um, a specific cow breed, like a heirloom cow breed, that has completely grass-fed, that would be a very different experience. And, or even butter that gets condensed and diffused or buttermilk. So even within dairies, be it plant-based or non-plant-based, there's quite a big differences. Um, but generally speaking, further in the food chain you go to, you more careful you want to be with quality. Right, right, so right. So a small fish, you should care less about quality than a big tuna, right? Mm -hmm. You gotta be, so it doesn't mean that you should never have tuna or you should never have dairy um, unless you're genetically just completely out of it. But you just have to be extra careful with quality further in the food chain you go. Right. And with plants, you can kind of like get away from it a little more. Right, right. But if you get high quality, you can, with high quality, you can consume almost anything. Right. So then, so again, how did you start? this whole fascination with mushrooms and if it wasn't from the innovation award yeah. how did four sigmatic even become what it is i mean apparently you're obviously an expert in mushrooms but did you see in yourself like were you consuming a lot of mushrooms or did you have some type of illness or some type of like issue where then you start to consume more mushrooms and it's helped you or yeah. what's when the... I came to the US I realized that I should have probably been sick and have a, this healing story because everybody in the health industry always has a healing uh, story. Tell me about it. I'm sitting I'm on the like, treadmill with them. They're uh, always like... And I'm like, I don't have a, I've never really been sick. I don't really get, I don't, I don't have a healing story, unfortunately. But it would, it would be, you could sell a lot more products. Can you make but, one up right now? Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I, part of it was just growing up and learning from my parents and my dad, who was my hero growing up, he really loved mushrooms. So um, that was like another fascinating point. But then later on, it was also reverse engineering. Like what frustrated me was like the hype in health. Because I was, once you've been in health and wellness for 10 or more years, you notice that there's cycles. Mm -hmm. There's these cycles and those cycles are not always based on like, the latest research, but they're based on a marketing cycle, mm -hmm. right? And it bothered me a lot is, hey, what's real? Like, what's the 80-20? Because mm -hmm. it's unrealistic that you will do everything. Like, what's the best bang for your buck? And then what are the things that people need the most help with? And um, even five years ago, but 10 years ago, it was all about like this very, to me, very like surface level conversation of should I eat plants? plant protein or animal protein or like 
what, how much of macronutrients should I take? Protein, carbs, and fats. And I always thought there was so much more importance of like the quality and the micronutrients, mm -hmm. like vitamins and minerals. If you're zinc deficient, magnesium deficient, it doesn't matter what your macros are. Mm -hmm. You probably like your body's confused and certain body functions get slowed down or accelerated. Right. And I knew that there would be that much important things in body, this information system, such as your immune function, which is right now hot to topic anyway, mm -hmm. um, brain and the nervous system. There are people who have perfect macros, but their you know, hand is shaking or they have a nervous challenges. Um, their or, nervous system is shot or, or yeah. whatever, yeah. And stress reaction is another one. So I was always fascinated by it about that. And I was like, reverse engineering is like, hey, what matters to true health, immunity, hormonal balance, digestive health, um, brain health, and nervous system. Those I felt were like much more fundamental than like muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. Like muscle tissue is like not the best indicator of long-term health or longevity. It's just like after a certain point, Right, right, right. There's limitations. So I was like, hey, what are the things I can do to improve these? And for every one of them, one of the top answers that I came was round mushrooms. That was one. And then the other thing, Four Sigmatic, my company name means very kiki way of like on a bell curve. If you put all the foods in the world, you could eat every standard deviation from the mean, which is again, very geeky. It's called the Sigma. If you go four Sigmas, that's like the top 50 to 100 foods in the world. And in the top you know, 100 foods in the world, there's a lot of mushrooms and like there's a lot of adaptogens that people don't know about. And I just felt those are both time-worn. They've been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years, but also they have tons of scientific evidence. So that would be more exciting for me to promote things that are truly proven. And there's not like, it's not like a super berry from the Amazon that we have no clue out of. Right, right. Yet. Was it hard to kind of... Um it's like for, for anything to become popular or to, for especially what you're doing, people have to have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. like it, there's a lot that the education part can be expensive to do. And sure. so how were you able to bridge that gap? Because I do, I mean, maybe you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe because I'm in the wellness space too. I feel like your company really did take off in a way, mm -hmm. like where, like I said, a lot of people who, who know, who are in the mm -hmm. know are big fans and they and then they also like well well my dream was to get all americans to drink mushrooms and from for maybe it was luck as well no investor would back that up right and, and like, you, don't have a, you don't have one right yeah yeah so it was like <clears throat> it was actually awesome it was a blessing in disguise we had no money so it was about my personal just hustle right and hard work and knowledge but because we couldn't afford to promote it we're like hey how do we get the word out right and <clears throat> how we did it was like your favorite health influencers, favorite health influencer was a raving for Sigmatic fan. That's how it was built. Like some random dude who's like, you know, the top health influencer's favorite source of inspiration. That person was just obsessed with for Sigmatic because of the innovation, because of the level of knowledge, because how the products were made, organic, wildcrafted. Usually you can't have both. You can't have wildcrafted and organic. We were dual extracted, used to have only have hot water or alcohol. There's all these super like geeky things that we did that got them excited. And right. once that person was, that slowly started leaking into. Who was your first person that got behind you? 
actually the first people are pretty funny. They're, they're not health and wellness people, but early on in the UK, we had a bunch of like really like surprising musicians that were promoting it. Really? Yeah. Like and, who? Anyone I would know or? Uh, one of the Spice Girls, Boy George. Oh, wow. And like okay. people you would not imagine. Um, snowboarders, like that was like some of the early, early adopters, early adopters. Yeah. But then, yeah, uh, in the U.S., like the really high, high end kind of health influencers that might not have the biggest platform, but they were like really in on the on the knowledge. Right. Well, people like look to them for like the, for like real information, basically. Yeah. Correct. But how were you able to like so because. Mushrooms are obviously a natural source. Mm-hmm. Um, and was there, how did you teach the public or how are you teaching the public to, about the, I guess, of all the benefits of mushrooms still today? Like, are you... Well, it's a lot of trial and error and a lot right. of hard work. Because like, what's the balance between information, but not too much information. So that's always been the balance. And in person, you can give away more, but... Um, online or in stores you can give so much less so you kind of have to like tailor it to the channel and who's the audience and so our world has a lot of layers it's like inception so how how long have you followed for sigmatic you go into deeper and deeper into the knowledge but uh yeah it's been hard but it's mostly just a lot of hard work um our team is super passionate people who work for us like we do events all the time we do places where we sample the product all the time where people can talk. We even have two cafes called the Shroom Rooms where we serve people free drinks in New York, one in LA here, another one. Where is the one in LA? I've never Abikini. seen it. Really? You have a free cafe? Yeah. Oh, and you just like serve mm-hmm. your product all day? Yeah. And Who pays serve- the rent in there? You? Uh, we. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I didn't know you even had that option. Yeah. So don't you have people there just all day just drinking mushroom yeah, stuff and that's beautiful that's amazing i didn't even know you had that yeah it's beautiful so then what was your first product that you launched with um it was these like teas in europe there's a big culture in tea right which doesn't exist in the u.s the same way <clears throat> people don't know the difference between good tea and bad tea but we made mushroom tea yeah. uh, non-psychedelic right. and i was uh, going to ask you about that but okay and uh yeah so um yeah it was this cordyceps and reishi elixir and then chaga and lion's mane but then when we came to the U.S., we realized that people don't have necessarily a, a tea ritual. So we started making coffee and cocoa. These top mushrooms and adaptogens are a little bit bitter and earthy. And a lot of Western people, including Americans, don't like bitters, with two exceptions, coffee and cocoa. Right. So then those were easier platforms to hide the good stuff in right. from a flavor perspective. because. An herb or supplement you don't take is not going to help you. It doesn't matter how many bottles of true niagen have you bought. If you don't take it, you're not going to get benefit from it, right? So it was important for us to kind of like nail down because nobody has a mushroom routine really. So like how do you you integrate it into your daily life and make it fun? So do mushrooms really have a lot of protein then? Is that true? Can, yeah, they can. Yeah, they're complete proteins like shiitakes are a complete protein and you could use them. Um, but are portobellos? Because people use that as a substitute for a burger. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't call it an abundant source of protein, but it has protein. But yeah, I would use shiitake over portobello, but um, it's not like, yeah, you'd have to eat a 
quite a bit, but it is um, more nutrient dense than most vegetables. So. so is there one mushroom that you would say is great for energy? Like what's the best mushroom for energy? Cordyceps. Cordyceps is a very popular among endurance athletes, MMA fighters, whatnot. It's a mushroom that was discovered by the Sherpas in Tibet and in the Himalayas. They were like in altitude hiking, they're getting tired. And suddenly they notice that the yaks, the big kind of like horses slash bulls locally that carry stuff, mm -hmm. started grazing on these mushrooms and they got a spurt of energy. And then they started consuming it. And it got to um, Western world popularity in 1992 or 93 at the Stuttgart World Championships when the Chinese female runners broke first time ever in 10K, 30 minute barrier and everybody was like for sure doping they got tested multiple multiple times they tested clean and the trainer just said we took a lot of cordyceps before the race really and then that became popular among ironman kind of like triathlon uh, trail running mma things that um, have to do a lot of vo2 max or atp production is really kind of those consume those athletes would be more in the know so how would anyone other, how do you consume cordyceps if it wasn't for like your product i mean do people, can you buy people it have store? capsules usually because okay. they couldn't handle the flavor right so they would buy capsules but then you might have all kinds of fillers and low quality products in them so either different binders or fillers or low dosages um so yeah though but you yeah. don't do supplements though, do you yet? You don't do much capsules of that yet? No, we don't do capsules or pills. Why not? You should. Um, just because of people already take fish oil, they already yeah. take vitamin D, all these things. So it's just easier to have put it in something you would consume like a smoothie, a face serum or, you know, um, I'd be coffee. curious to use that as a skincare and see if it actually does we'll anything. Some, so we'll yeah, no, I want it. Is it like a big, is that a big skew for you guys? Like, are you we selling? We just launched it and part of that line is that it's also fully edible. So everything we do, I, I, you asked about, I mentioned about my skin. I don't use skincare historically because I don't want to put anything on my skin that I can't eat. I've never consumed any, like, it's not really yeah. a th thing I do. Skin absorbs things. It's so funny that we don't realize this. We take a magnesium path and relax, but we don't think our skincare could absorb. Or um, right, our right. nico nicotine. Patches, you mean? We put a patch in yeah. and we get nicotine into our system, but we don't think that the plastics, a lot of the even eco beauty lines have polymers. Polymers are plastics. So you're putting plastic into your bloodstream and, and people think it's okay. And they just like, it's mostly water or alcohol. You, if you look at large brands like L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, yeah. if you look at their public statements, this is all public info, they spend three to 4% of their revenue on the product. So you buy a $100 premium serum that has opposably great quality. It costed the company a dollar on what's inside and two to $4 on the bottle. Yeah. So they pay two to $4 on the packaging and a dollar on what's inside and you buy for a hundred bucks. That's kind of ridiculous. It's all marketing and, and it's all marketing dollars that they're, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, our line is fully edible. Like we have a face mask that is also hot chocolate. So you can put it in your face, but also it tastes like brownie batter. Could I eat it? So I really could eat it? Yeah, can, it's I make, made can I make hot chocolate with it? <laughs> yeah, it's made out of cacao, not cocoa, not the processed cocoa, but real cacao, yeah. a clay, uh, which you, you can totally eat. Um, and then spices, ashwagandha, gotukola, rishi chaga, 
and you just you can just make a hot chocolate and then slather it in my face, or you can lick it from straight from your skin. Wow, where does this case? So I know you just launched it. Where would I sell? Where did you sell this though? Is it just? We do have a partnership with Sephora, but they don't have that product yet. Um, oh. So yeah, foursigmatic.com, Amazon, but we're also sold in like all the natural product stores like Whole Foods and Sprouts, depending where in the country you are. But yeah, um, foursigmatic.com, Amazon is like where you, everybody can buy it, and then uh, natural product stores. Your your co-ops and All places, the other places like, that. like yeah. that. Okay, so what's the best mushroom for cognitive fun? Like you know, being alert, um, improve your cognitive functioning. Um, lion's mane mushroom. Okay. So, lion's mane is used by monks for meditation. It's quite actually amazing. It's one of the few foods that contain a compound that can penetrate the blood-brain barrier. So our body's kind of split between half um, to protect the brain. Very few things can enter the brain to protect from toxins going in. So glucose and a few other things are the only ones. But there, this lion's mane has a compound that can enter the blood-brain barrier and another compound that helps repair and protect nerve growth factors in the brain. So that's pretty magical. So lion's mane and then out of the adaptogens, probably rhodiola, rhodiola root, which is really important to us Finnish people. Vikings took, took it before going to battle. And what's it called? Rhodi rhodiola. Again, so with lion's mane and that one that you just said, yeah. again, what, is it all supplement? People can take it in a supplement form. You can buy form. it in supplement format as well. You can, if you go to any supplement website, they will sell rhodiola for sure. But you can't, but you can't use these lion's mane or um, cordyceps in like pasta sauce or pizza. Like, yeah, you can. Oh, I, you can. I actually okay. wrote a kind of a best-selling mushroom book, which is not a high bar. I know. <laughs> <laughs> called Healing Mushrooms. Who was your competition? <laughs> yeah. Well, then, there's a couple. Yeah. Um, healing Mushrooms, and it has 50 recipes on how to use these mushrooms in healthy alcohol, like mocktails, desserts, um, salads, and soups, and entrees. So there's like 50 recipes on how to use it. So absolutely, you could. What else did your book talk about besides the recipes? The health benefits of mushrooms, the top. So it covers the top 10 mushrooms um, and their health benefits and history, and then 50 recipes. And then I have another book called Santa Soul Shrooms, which is a children's book that tells the story, original eight, eight to 10,000 year old story of Santa Claus and where it comes from an indigenous culture in Northern Europe. Oh, okay. And, would a seven-year-old or a four-year-old like that book? Seven-year-old, I yeah. think, would love it. Four yeah. is on the fence. Oh, okay. I'm going right. to maybe pick one up for my seven-year-old. Yeah, for sure. More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsor. So have you guys downloaded Best Fiends yet? Because if not, you have to do it. It is so fun and it keeps your brain totally engaged. So stop doing those TikToks and looking at Instagram because, guys... This is so fun. You can never get bored because they're constantly adding new challenges, new levels, new events, and you get to collect these cute little characters. It is so fun. And if you're competitive like I am, you can play with your friends, your family. I've already hit level, I think, 810, which is a huge feat for me. And there's so much more to go. There's a reason why there's over 100 million downloads and you don't even need the Wi-Fi. I mean, how amazing is that? Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. And now to our next sponsor. So do you want your team to develop habits that will help them thrive? 
you need Rise.com, the all-in-one online training system employees love. Rise makes online training easy to create, enjoyable to take, and simple to manage. With Rise, anyone can easily create guides, courses, and other training content. You can start from scratch or customize hundreds of pre-built lessons, helpful course templates, and gorgeous sample courses to build content even faster. Your learners will love Rise because Rise courses are beautiful, interactive, and engaging. Your managers will love Rise because Rise makes it fast and easy to create, distribute, and analyze online training. And your IT department will love Rise because it has everything your team needs to manage online training in one secure enterprise class system. See why you'll love Rise by starting a free 30-day trial at rise.com slash hustle. That's rise.com slash hustle. Okay, I was. Gonna, I want to talk to you about uh, like shrooms, like magic mushrooms yeah. people are taking. What's your thoughts on that whole thing? By using um, like microdosing for anxiety, for depression, or just for overall health? Well, just like with anything, the truth is usually in the middle. So right, right. now, there's generally two groups of people: one that are super anti drugs, like drugs will kill you, and then there's the group who's like is gonna heal it and you should use it every day. So the truth is somewhere in the middle, but when you talk about magic mushrooms or shrooms, we often talk about a psilocybin family of mushrooms and there's many kinds of psilocybins. And we know that our indigenous people and our ancestors consumed these mushrooms. So- There's many kinds of psilocybins? Yeah, many, many, many kinds of psilocybins. Um, And What we know of psilocybin today is that there's no lethal dose, so you cannot overdose on it, and you cannot get addicted to it. You actually build tolerance to it. So it's incredibly safe, and and the initial research on it, um, so the Nixon administration kind of shut that down. So there was a period when uh, mushrooms were brought to the Western world and there were research, but then it kind of got shut down. Last 10 years, John Hopkins, NYU, Imperial College in London, probably those are the best universities that have really good research, particularly Imperial and John Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And the research they're showing is incredible. So on these psilocybin users, like two thirds of users would have said that it's like a top five most meaningful event in their life 12 months after taking it. Not that moment, but like 12 months after they had consumed it, Mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, that was like as impactful life moment as the birth of my child or something like that. So that being said, these are not meant to be consumed recreationally. And- But people are doing it all the time, recreationally. All the time. And there's a huge impact on set and setting. On what? On set and setting. And that just kind of says like where you take it, how you take it, when do you take it. So- Set and setting, okay. So how I like to say is like, okay, you can achieve same effects with breath work as you can achieve or meditation as you can achieve with mushrooms but breath work or meditation is like going surfing maybe there's waves maybe there isn't maybe if there is waves maybe you catch one maybe you don't if you catch one it's really short it's like maybe you know 15 seconds and then it's done Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's what breath work and meditation can do Um, if you take mushrooms it's like going snowboarding a lift is going to take you up a huge mountain, depending how much you take, how big of a mountain. 
and you're going to come one day or the other. Right, right, you have right. a guaranteed experience. But how you come down depends how good of a snowboarder you are and who's helping you and how steep is the hill. So where do you take these mushrooms really matters. And a lot, I see so many people like with some home shaman, like giving them mushrooms. And I don't know if that's that yes. amazing. So people should be, they're incredibly safe, incredibly powerful. And in the upcoming years, we'll see a huge psychedelic renaissance happening, including in the US. I think it's happening now. It's, it's on its way. And, but the, it's not something you should just be like, lackadaisically consuming because they're incredibly powerful substances and you but have if you, if you can't stop i'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you but i have a few questions so like um if it's not addictive right and it's you, you could you, you could become uh, you can develop a tolerance mm -hmm. um so why are people microdosing because if, if that's the case they would have to they would have to increase their microdose all the time too yeah and what's so, the benefit of microdosing yes so the answer is in most cases they microdose because of lack of knowledge because they don't yeah. know how to use it uh, you could have a strong microdosing pr pr protocol but it would be you would take it every three days or five days or whatever not every day so there are ways how you would space it out the reason would being is that you could reap the benefits on a daily or almost daily basis while still going to school work have your kids so uh, microdosing by definition is sub-perception so you would have those without having you know an obvious experience so so would, what but explain that so what's the benefit what do people think the benefits are they, of microdosing um, depends who you ask but neuroplasticity would be one so improving um thinking outside the box so creativity would be a one use case mm, okay. people would be like hey increases creativity um longevity kind of like protecting and rebuilding a brain which is very difficult otherwise and then um, some people do it to relax or if they're stressed out or they feel stuck in life they feel that microdosing would give them benefits so what's the why do why do that versus it sounds like you can just like vape on like you can smoke pot weed whatever yeah. and get the same type of situation oh, the impact of mushrooms to your brain is quite different than the impact of um, certain cannabinoids that end up cannabinoid systems. So there's a quite quite different reaction. So yeah, they, they impact your physiology in different ways. How? Um, so think of like you as a child and people debate how many first years, but your kids, first one, two, three, four years, kind of debatable. But in the beginning, the every neural pathway in the child's brain is free and what in every living organism including a child the first rule is survive mm -hmm. so what the child uses is brain functions that needs for survival so what is the environment of the child matters what kind of child you partly have kind of the nurture part of nature and nurture and then the second rule of physiology often is that uh, conserve energy so if you don't need a certain part of the brain those roads get shot. So if your child's brain would be every highway in America and the child only uses, you know, 20% of those highways, the other 80% gets shot, right? Right. But when you neuroplasticity happens, or in this case, you take psychedelics, um, those pathways that have been shut since you were maybe three years old, you can use again. So you create, you can access different parts of the brain 
and there's different brain activity that you might not not never had or you had last time. Like your you subconscious, were. basically, right? Yeah. So what's the difference then between? Is there a? Di I mean, I'm not saying you should be an expert in LSD, but LSD, um, uh, uh, mushrooms, yep. um, even ayahuasca, mm -hmm. which is a plant medicine mm -hmm. for those. Who, what's they all say that they do the same thing, right? And they're all being used for trauma, depression, anxiety. Like, again, what you said earlier, like too much knowledge is actually a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because people get very, very confused and then they're, they're doing the wrong thing. I feel like what's happening is those are all becoming very recreational because people hear these buzzwords and they're yeah. like, and they're mixing and matching and doing. Sure. Right? Happens a lot. Happens a lot, not right? Not great. No, not so good at I'm all. I'm very, um, like I try to be Switzerland with these psychedelics because I know their power and how amazing they can be. But in the wrong hands, they can also do a lot of harm. And um, by the way, LSD is also derived from ericoid alcohol is these like mushrooms. It's, uh, it is derived from yeah, mushrooms, originally. okay. Now you can produce it in other ways as well, but that's the original and they came from, from mushrooms. Okay, but ayahuasca is- Ayahuasca is a vine. Right. Um, so, and there's other like 5-MeO-DMT from a Sonorian toad saliva and all these things. There's a million different plant okay. medicines. So um, they have differences how they impact our physiology. Okay. Uh, but I don't want to bore everyone with the details of how they each work. But from a from a more practical point of view, there's a difference on duration. Like how long is the experience? Is it 15 minutes, four hours, eight, 12 hours? And right. that's a factor. And then the other factor is like how intense it is. So that's which one's more intense, like an ayahuasca, yeah, LSD, well, or DM, DMT, which is ayahuasca, yeah. or 5-MeO DMT. Those would probably be, or another compound called ibogaine, yeah. or iboga. iboga. That's crazy. That's like 35 hours, right? Yeah, it depends on how you flush it. But in those cases, when um, you what flush it, what there's a you can also take it in smaller amounts, and you're not going to have this flush. It's kind of a longer conversation, but. Uh, the key point is that these are tools, really powerful tools, and you don't start on the double diamond when you start snowboarding. You should first talk therapy, journaling, um, exercise, meditation. You should do these things that are like preparing your mind for these experiences. And then you should go into an experience do it in a place where you feel safe mm -hmm. with people you can trust. I'm an advisor to the world's first legal psilocybin center. They're in the Netherlands and they offer, along with the team from Imperial College, uh, programs that are like designed by the world's leading experts. It's completely legal. Um, there's medical supervision. There's so many things that you, many people who consume these are not prepared for. And then they have a bad experience. Mm -hmm. Um, just not prepared for it. It's like somebody who's never snowboarded, you put them on the top of a huge mountain. You love this snowboarding analogy. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Are you a snowboarder? <laughs> I, I grew up in snow. Oh, so. yeah, okay. But So have I, I'm not really a good snowboarder, but that's the, the point. Yeah, it's just like, where do you start and how do you structure it? But these all these compounds can be very helpful if, when administered in the right way, at the right time for the right person, with the proper pre-work and post-work. And, and for a lot of people that shouldn't be, these psychedelics shouldn't be like step one right, in the right. program, but like journaling, meditation, breath work, nature connection, cold exposure, 
uh, talk therapy. These are things that you can do. And then eventually when you feel you're ready, then you kind of, yeah, it's like, we'll have, okay, so, but, so there's been like, I saw in 60 minutes, a whole thing. And like, I saw a lot of my friends, they, they believe that, uh, mushrooms have actually helped them with their depression, with their anxiety, um, long-term. Mm-hmm. Although then I find people I've met meet who like do mushrooms every weekend. Yeah. Like, so what, how do you, and, and, and your advice is all great. And I know that you're trying mm-hmm. to be very like politically correct, <laughs> which I, I appreciate not really because I want to understand. So in your opinion, cause you're like really a, a no, no joke. I mean, you tend to know a lot about mushrooms mm-hmm. of all sorts. Do you think there is a benefit to trying shrooms if you have anxiety or depression? Is there, it, like there's been tons of research on it. Have you, yeah. have you seen it actually? Yeah, I can, because I have exposure to the research that is about and to you're come on the board. Of, of yeah, so, but yeah, in the next 12 months, we will have radical scientific updates about psilocybin and depression. And that's kind of all I can say at this point, but there's- But your opinion, what's your opinion? Yeah, I mean, my personal opinion, my personal experience is that these compounds are incredible for life purpose Mm -hmm. and truth. And with life's purpose and truth, Dharma, you often, a lot of stresses go away and compassion gets increased. Yeah, I mean, I came back from this ayahuasca retreat recently, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, like 99.9% of the people there were like, like thought it was like the, mo- the biggest breakthrough of their life. They mm-hmm. had like these great breakthroughs. Yep. And I was like the 1% that it didn't really do anything. I didn't have any major breakthrough. I didn't have it. And is that what you were kind of talking about? Like in terms of, it depends on the person. Not, not everything works for everybody because they were saying, oh, it's because your ego is involved mm-hmm. and this and that. Is it possible that some of these things just don't work on everybody? Yeah, I would say with the right dose, impossible that they wouldn't work, but they would work in very different ways and you would not necessarily get the breakthrough. So the studies, depending on whoever did the study on psilocybin used to be, it's roughly that two thirds have incredible results and one third doesn't. But if you look at for depression or anxiety or addiction, two thirds getting healed is way better than anything out on the market. I've never seen anything like it. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And I was like a witness to the people yeah. who are really having, now I thought maybe well, and, and if I may say is a lot of people might find that like they've gotten a lot of wisdom from mushrooms, but not ayahuasca or vice versa. Right. So sometimes finding the compound that works for you, like same with sitting meditation. I know a lot of people who just don't like sitting meditation and instead they will go for on a treadmill. Right. And then run. <laughs> no, or like also like everyone at this thing, the, the, the breath work. I mean, I was seeing people like experience like this crazy experience with breath work. And again, with me, I didn't really have any, that, that didn't really work. But I will say when I was, when I was 17 years old, or 18 years old, I did have like a, a crazy mushroom trip that I still remember. I think that was more impactful even today. Yeah than probably a lot of other things I've ever done in my life. There's very few things in wellness or health where you can guarantee an experience. Yeah, I think you know that's what, one. Do you know what is the one thing you can guarantee experience? What? When you're in nature, you go to the sauna and then you go to a frozen lake or ocean. 
guaranteed experience when you go to the frozen water. Oh, you mean like the hot cold type of yeah. thing? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, that's it. And that then when you're doing it naturally, I can yeah. only yeah, I can only imagine. But yeah, it's true. It's not not everything is for everyone. And what works for you when you're 20, when your physiology is very different, is when you're 40, huge difference. Like, right. Who are you calling 40? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, uh, no, I totally agree with you. And I also think that uh, certain things work for certain people that don't work for others. But Or maybe not in this life situation, maybe in 10, 20 years, different, right. different things. Like where you are in your life, the phase yeah. of life you're in or where you are. I totally agree with that, actually. Uh, okay, so... Do you, do you consume mushrooms every day, just yourself? Yeah, pretty much. I consume every kingdom almost every day in some capacity. What are other adaptogens that you really think are high on that list? And tell people what adaptogens really are, because besides you and I, maybe some people don't really, who are listening, not really. Yeah, adaptogens become a really buzzy word. Yeah. It's coined by um, Soviet um, Dr. Igor Lazarov. And um, originally the idea was like the Soviet army wanted to boost their soldiers like every army but they realized that giving amphetamines and other stimulants would boost the performance for 6 12 24 hours and then there's a huge letdown same kind of like coffee if you drink too much coffee you feel good that day but shitty afterwards you can't right. sleep right right so there's like dr lazaro find us things that help the performance but don't have a letdown the next day and they originally actually looked at uh, pharmaceuticals but then ended with nature and they found the original adaptogens that were oral completely natural things and then the Lazarov said that there's three things that need to happen in order for something to be an adaptogen one it needs to be safe and non-toxic and non-habit forming so it needs to be something you can take every day without being addicted to it or having a toxic overload second it needs to have um, multifunctional benefits so it impacts it's not a sedative it's not a stimulative so it's something you could take in the morning and evening and then it restores balance so it's two directional so it modulates body systems and today we know of maybe 15 to 20 real adaptogens um, the most famous one by far is ginseng pretty much everybody knows ginseng even though they don't take it the other one is probably ashwagandha so ashwagandha is even though it's a difficult word it's become pretty mainstream now and those would be classic examples. Other ones would be... What does ashwagandha do? Ashwagandha is... So the hard part is when something impacts a key body function like the endocrine system, HPA axis, like ashwagandha does, when you calm down your stress, your brain works better. So when you're less stressed, mm -hmm. you actually, your cognitive function improves. So they often... That's why they seem like they can do a million things. But I would use ashwagandha more when you're stressed out or in the evening. And so I think I would use ashwagandha more when you're stressed out or evening time. And, um, um, and because of that, you might be also more focused, better immune function, yada, yada, yada. Um, rhodiola, we mentioned, Shisandra berries. Um, some people say maca is an adaptogen. That's kind of questionable a little bit. Yeah, that's a big buzzword too. Um, yeah, but um, Eulithero or Siberian ginseng is a good one. Um, but there's a lot of buzz in adaptogens, but the best adaptogens are quite amazing. And I feel like everybody should include them into their diet in one way or the other. It's all the ones you just mentioned, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So in your 
like so wait, let's talk more about mushrooms because that's what you're really the specialist on. Yeah. Um, is there a and also mushrooms, I feel like it's just a superfood, isn't it really? A superfood that people really don't ever, you always hear blueberries, salmon, you know, you never really heard mushrooms. And now I feel like you kind of brought it to life like this. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the debate has been around more of these animal and plant-based things. So this is a forgotten kingdom, same way as bacteria is a forgotten kingdom. So is there, can you give me three ways people can use mushrooms that they never would have thought of otherwise? Well, what we just did before we started, we made mushroom coffee. Yeah. Um, coffee is one of the most common sources of antioxidants for Americans, actually number one source of antioxidants for Americans. And it's amazing for longevity, um, but it comes with two big downsides. One, it's kind of harsh for your digestive tract. So a lot of people get heartburn and right. acidity of coffee can be kind of harsh. Second is that it gives people jitters because it is a stimulative. So Finnish people drink more coffee than anyone else in the world. Really? Um, quarter of Finns drink like over 10 cups of coffee a day. And during Second World War, we were attacked both by the Germans and the Russians and we ran out of coffee beans. So we brewed chaga mushroom as a coffee. And then after the war, University of Helsinki started studying it and realized it has all these health benefits. So by putting certain mushrooms in your coffee, you're going to have a coffee that tastes same as how, like... Right, tastes like coffee. Yeah, yeah. but it doesn't have the acidity, so it's, it doesn't give you heartburn and it doesn't have the stimulation because of these adaptogenic properties. So coffee would be one. The other one that I think people don't realize is um, if you're going to consume alcohol, and you're going to have a party time. Alcohol is like a vessel, take things into your bloodstream. You should always put like mushrooms and adaptogens in your alcohol. And they, at least you get the benefits of those herbs and mushrooms with it. So making mocktails, cordyceps we talked about, you can make a cordyceps on the beach, cocktail, and you're not going to notice the flavor at all. Really? You can hide them super easily. And that's another thing that people don't know. And then I would say broths or soups. Uh, it's a more common way, but mushrooms have an umami flavor that we get from bacon and parmesan that like kind of flavor that makes us crave as well. So using mushrooms in soups and broths is another way. I use that anyway. I think everyone does. Like or bacon, actually. You can make shiitake mushrooms, slice them thin, put oil, pap paprika powder on top of it, and maybe a little bit of maple syrup and you put it in an oven and comes those thin slices of shiitake bacon. And oh, I like that. That's like super good. easy to make. Is that it takes like Yeah. <laughs> takes like three minutes to make plus the time in the oven. So it's like the fastest way and then you can serve people mushroom bacon. That sounds good. Why are shiitake so expensive? Um, yeah, it's a very good question. Um, often the commercially grown. I would say probably big reasons is poor cultivation methods and not enough demand not enough people buy them but they are very nutrient dense and you don't need to buy a lot but they're not buying them because they're so expensive because yeah. everyone i know loves shiitake mushrooms yeah but that's why they're not buying costco, them costco baby i know trust me I'm, I'm a big fan of costco let me tell you you should be making stuff you should be growing them and selling them C create like some kind of farm in your backyard yeah yeah totally you know you should so what do you do with your habits every day? Because obviously you're a very healthy person. You're going about 90 miles an hour on this treadmill. <laughs> well, faster than anyone's ever gone. Might as well get a workout. No? I, I agree with you. Listen, from your mouth to God's ears. 
You what? Get a little sweat in. Yeah, I think it's great. So tell me what you what time do you wake up in the morning? Give me your day to day routine, like your. So first of all, for me, there's no routine. Um, I think there's a lot of seasonality, both um, annually. Like some some parts of the year are less busy than others, right? And then I try to actually incorporate seasonality to day to day. So oh, okay, but from a circadian rhythm point of view, I try to keep it pretty consistent. Waking up between six and seven. Um, uh, I have themes in the morning, like some sort of blood moving uh, mobility thing every morning. That could be as simple as going for a walk and stretching out. Um, now I've been doing a lot of Ashtanga yoga in the morning. Okay. So just doing. The key point is not really a workout, but just wake up the body, stretch out, you know, improve. I do a lot of like cars, like rotation movements for the joints. Uh, hydration is big. So I drink a lot of liquids in the morning, liquids before solids. Now I've been taking like a protein shake in the morning, but sometimes I also like fast until one or 2 p.m. But either way, liquids are more important than solids in the beginning. So you're not doing intermittent fasting or you're kind of doing not, whatever? Not right now, but I did it for like six years. Oh, okay. um, but the key point is hydration. Yeah. The other things you can kind of like tinker with. Um, I call my mom. My mom is 10 hours ahead. So I FaceTime her and sometimes my, my brother and my nephew who are on the other side of the world. And then I start the work. The um, work. The work. <laughs> the work. And um, yeah. How many people work for, for Sigmatic now? How big um, is it? A little over 40. Oh, wow. Okay. And you've never gotten outside funding? Well, it's kind of like I have a couple business partners that we've sold our early employees of sold shares. So I have like, if we would need capital now, we're in a place where we could get it, but it just doesn't make sense. So I have a couple um, other entrepreneurs and family offices that have like bought a small part of the business, but we don't really, a couple even celebrities, but it's not really, I don't look at them as investors, but more as business partners. Right. And so we're just trying to grow organically, profitably the right way. So what's next for you? Mm, are we going to run? Oh, geez, I, I guess we can, but <laughs> I'm wearing the wrong bra. You must know the truth, but I can walk faster if you like. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I was um, um, well, from a very meta level, I'm just trying to continue to learn, have fun and help people. Those are the same things that I did when I started the brand. Okay. Um, I think we just launched the skincare and the proteins, so educating people about protein sourcing, skincare is big things. We have a Mushroom Academy that we've had for a few years. We're launching a new version of it. Mushroom Academy is an online course completely free that teaches people about mushrooms online. Again, 100% free and we're relaunching that. Wow. And yeah, just getting, getting more, finding ways how to talk to the everyday American instead of just focusing on you know why why didn't you tell me about your you you sleep or on a nail bed for 30 to 40 minutes a day yeah i take a nap every day that was part of the but why did, daily I just, routine I'm, I'm i'm seeing this and you didn't even mention i was like why didn't you mention the you're like oh yeah i wake up i have some liquids and then i may do some yoga not once did you say i sleep on a nail bed for 40 minutes daily yeah that was just kind of, it slipped your mind? Yeah, well, I do a lot of odd things. <laughs> well, but, well, it's called habits and hustle because okay. I want to hear about the odd habits that you do. Okay, 
um, I have a lot of odd habits. Okay, well then. One of them is that I have this. An hour and a half in, now you're telling me? Eastern European nail mat that you put on top of your bed. I have two, two travel versions. And you're basically laying on like nails that are really close to each other. And when you go on it evenly, none of the nails will like penetrate your skin, but it's acupressure. So basically like increases blood circulation in that area. And it kind of zaps your nervous system out. So when I lay on it, I fall asleep almost immediately. First couple minutes are painful. And then after that, I kind of pass out. And then I wake up the moment I move. So in like, and so you never sleep in on a nap. I, no kidding. But if you move but badly, does it like basically like it leaves marks, but it doesn't penetrate the skin. So how often are you doing that? How, how often do I do that? Yeah, every day. Daily, yeah, pretty much. Okay, give me some other odd habits. That's a good one, though. Where, yeah. So you got this where? Um, from like this like Bulgarian like healer. And, and what it's do you feel random. it does though? It just you said it's acupressure, but it um, releases increases stress? blood circulation oh, in that area in that and area. relaxes the nervous system. Okay, and then maybe some other ones. Um, well, I think cold exposure and breath work has become pretty popular now. Yeah. Sauna is the only Finnish word in the English language, so I'm kind of biased towards the sauna. I like the sauna uh, too. And I do, you know, various funny breath work exercises. Um, do, you, do you like uh, Wim Hof or do that kind of thing? Or? Yeah, if I'm in a hurry, it's, I think it's the best program if, you're, if you don't have a lot of time right. or an instructor. Um, it's cool because it calms your body but doesn't make you tired. So I, I like Wim Hof method as like a quick reset. And it's also easy to teach, so I've taught my whole team. So when we have a team gathering, we do that as a group. What so, else do you do as a group? <laughs> See now, what, 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 you've been holding out on me for the last hour. What else are you doing as a group? You're doing Wim Hof breathing techniques with your with your team. What else? Uh, yeah, we have all kinds of friendly competitions. It was uh, it was different in the beginning when everybody was like, it was a group of Finnish guys who had all been to the military. You could do a lot more things now. Right. There's a big aid spread from like. 22 to 65 in the team, so kind of have to adjust. Um, so we've been playing like, a lot of games. Oh. I think games. Like board games? Um, more, yeah, kind of. But I think like games are really important for the brain. It's also a way to get to know a person a lot better. Same as walking. We have a lot of walking meetings. So a lot of our meetings are actually like, hey, we'll go for a walk. And uh, when you play games, you get to know the person more. Absolutely. People, kind of remove their mask and the more authentic version of themselves emerges, but also teaching the brain in different ways. So we have like this Finnish card game called Club Seven. We play tournaments with the, the team. So you, you, it's like a tournament and who wins it. That's another thing we do. I, but I agree with you about the game. So I have game night all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I like about it is that, yeah, you get to see a lot of people at once. So it's mm -hmm. not, and you get to interact with people on a much different level and get to see people true, like totally people's true colors come mm -hmm. out. Like I've had friendships end because of game night. Let me tell you, because you see the people who are, you know, competitive or passive or nasty because they want to win or nice. I think, I I think mean, it was Plato who said that you learn more about a person 
in one hour of a game than a whole year of conversations. 100%. I totally agree with that. And so next time I have a game night, by the way, you're going to be invited. Love it. Okay. You're going to come? Yeah. Okay. We can also play Club 7 or whatever. Club 7. Club 7. Okay. What other things do you guys do as a group or just on your own, a habit? Um, now we've actually been doing a lot of face masks that is pretty funny because like almost half of the group is men. But like, that's another thing is like self-care rituals. When you share it with friends, it's more fun. So some of the things that are too busy, uh, we used to watch movies and stretch. So we would have a stretch movie night. So we put it on a projector, a movie, we watch it, but we're also stretching the whole time. So you get like an hour and a half stretch workout. Who's your event coordinator? I mean, do you have one? No. <laughs> Who comes up with these things though? You? Me or our team. I bet you that's a, a re, a one of the, not the only, but one of the reasons why you're really successful as a brand is because of those things. You built like a really good, a solid, uh, you, they feel like a community, they feel like family. And I feel like your employees, when they feel that way, they work harder for the cause. But we also like today's Wednesday and we have a working Wednesday where you're not on Wednesdays, not allowed to talk to your team. So on Wednesdays, you're only allowed to talk to customers and partners. So on Wednesdays, you're not allowed to talk to your team members unless it's about customers and partners. So, so we also have these like rules where you're not allowed to. You, like it sounds fun though. It sounds like it's you not block your typical. it for real work so you can kind of um, go through your to-do list. But it, I just feel like working for you got like working for for Sigmatic would be very unique and fun. It's not like working for Microsoft, for example. That's why they call us the fun guys. Yeah, like fun guy. That's a great, I've never heard that before. Um, all right, well, you've been great. So how do people find you? What, give them your information. I mean, it's going on 70 minutes. I'm getting tired on this thing. You must be like, well, you're probably fine knowing you, but um, how do people find you? Tell everyone where, where to go. Tarot? I'm, like I'm really bad at social media. I, have a, I don't have Facebook or anything, but I have a really bad private Instagram if somebody wants to see photos from Finland then uh, <laughs> I am Taro but otherwise a lot of the education we put including the Mushroom Academy can be found from Four Sigmatic on all channels so F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C uh, YouTube we have a big newsletter where we send out articles and education social media obviously Facebook Instagram all this stuff well, you've been a delight. Likewise. And uh, thank you for coming on of Habits course. and Hustle. It's Look been great. Look forward to the game night. I, I, it's going to happen very soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for... Oh, what? Oh, how many calories did you burn? That's true. Thank you for reminding me, Dimitri. How does this Press the white button because you were literally flying on this thing. 262. Okay. And what's your speed? Three and a half. Okay. That's literally... People go at 1.8 at max. This is good. You're like a... You're like the athlete of Habits and Hustle. <laughs> Amazing. Habits and Hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and Hustle. From nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast. Powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. 
On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.